When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everybody, welcome back in to a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name is Mac, and thanks for coming back for the newest episode. Um, I have a pretty interesting guest for you guys this week. Um, before we get into it though, I want to say thank you to Patty for last week's episode. Um, she came on the podcast and talked about suicide prevention as it relates to narcissism. And um, Patty, I'm truly sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for the loss uh, of the people that loved your daughter. Um, their daughter. Um, I will comment though that I did get some backlash about the episode, um, that I was spreading misinformation and that it wasn't factual. And uh, there were some posts and stories that said like fuck dimming the gaslight and stuff like that. And um, so uh, listen, I, I think things could have hand been handled a little bit differently. Um, so I'm going to make one more statement about this and then I'm just not going to talk about it anymore. So I got to see my kids this weekend. Uh, finally, I had COVID last week and I didn't get to uh, see my kids. Um, so I had to cancel my my session with them. But finally, I got to see him today. Today is day 93 from uh, my restraining order. And uh, I've seen my kids now in a total of five hours in 93 days. Um, for the first time ever, they came in and it could have been like they snuck up on me. I didn't even know that they were there um, because nobody was crying. Not a single tear, completely dry eyes. They were so excited. And daddy, where were you last week? And of course, I'm not going to say I had COVID because, you know, comorbidities with narcissism. I think my ex has Munchausen syndrome too, because if I say I had COVID, she would have never probably let him come, even though I tested negative. Uh, ridiculous. But anyway, we had a great time as always. Um, and, you know, we talked about Santa's coming, and Christmas, and my son wants uh, virtual reality goggles. So... God, I, I hope my next gets them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, listen, great time with the kids. Um, no crying. And in fact, you know, they. so we were talking about Christmas is coming up. And uh, yes, we are in the process of filing an emergent motion. You know, if you've listened to past podcasts, I am very close to file, uh, filing it before Christmas. Um, now, so my son said that 
my next is taking them to their friend's house on Christmas Eve, which Christmas Eve used to be spent with my family. Um, you know, that anticipation that Santa's coming and getting them all riled up and excited and stuff that used to be spent with my family. And then Christmas Day used to be spent with her family. Uh, but I was told that on Christmas Eve, they're going to uh, their friend's house. And on Christmas Day, they're going to Fireman John's house. So why the hell? Can't I have my kids? If, if Fireman John, you know, why can they go to somebody who's not their dad when they can go to their dad? Uh, she's just, you know, uh, keeping them from me. <laughs> um, and then also, I mean, just a weird little tidbit, but my son said that uh, my ex is going to be their basketball coach. What? How is she going to be a basketball coach? She doesn't know anything about basketball. Uh, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. I don't understand why I'm being precluded from seeing my children, and uh, it's tough. But. The visit today went well. Um, the motion, I think, will be coming soon. And uh, yeah, I'll keep you guys informed. There might be a midweek episode this week if I can get some movement going here. Um, and then on the way out, you know, I gave my kids their hugs and kisses goodbye, and my son got a little squirmy, and he sort of wanted to rush out because it looked like he was going to start to cry, and I let him go, so he didn't, and I didn't. And uh, it's always hard to see them leave, but yeah. So anyway, that's how my visit went with my kids today, and um, okay, so I have a great guest for you today. Her name is Vicky from the Survivor Center, and uh, you know, you guys all know I'm a parent, and a lot of you guys that listen to this are parents, and uh, let's talk about co-parenting with a narcissist. So that's why Vicky from the Survivor Center is here, and uh, I hope you guys like this episode. Before we get into it, you know, I'm going to plug my normal stuff. Please follow me on Instagram and on TikTok at dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. Um, I am on Twitter at Dimming Gaslight. Uh, and also, please keep in mind, if you can, I would really appreciate it if you guys could help me with the GoFundMe page. Uh, search Dimming the Gaslight on GoFundMe and please donate if you can. Any small amount will help. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Uh, let's get into the newest episode. All right, everybody, welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. So I have somebody very interesting with me on a episode today. Her name is Vicky from the Survivor Center, and uh, Vicky and I connected through Instagram and through email, um, and she is a high-conflict divorce coach. So Vicky and I are doing an episode about co-parenting with a narcissist. Um, I really, really appreciate Vicky being here. Vicky, say hi to everybody. Hey there. So uh, thanks so much for doing this with us. I'm really excited. Um, I know from my personal experience, the best thing that I can do in terms of co-parenting with my specific narcissist is keeping everything brief, keeping everything as emotionless as I possibly can, and uh, just not really engaging in the back and forth of just nonsense. Like I remember one time my ex said to me, Oh, I took my kids to the movie theater and they got diarrhea and it turned into like a two day fight about diarrhea at a movie theater over popcorn. So I'm really excited for you to be on so you can kind of give us this. Why are we bothering? You know what I mean? Why are we going through all this stuff? So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into this role as a divorce coach. Well, experience is the, you know, best teacher. So <clears throat> after uh, having left my abuser multiple times and the final time being in 2016, uh -huh. um, I escaped really. And I took my daughter with me. Uh, after that, there was a four year custody battle, sharing custody. 
uh, attempt to get a protective order that failed, and then a second attempt that was successful, and then ended up with me. We shared custody, 60% me, 40 him. Okay. Um, and I ended up modifying custody, and now I have sole custody with no contact. So you can imagine uh, that it went from trying to co-parent and thinking everything could be honky-dory, even though knowing he's an abusive narc, all the way to, you know, all the mistakes in between, right? And all the lessons I've learned. Yeah. So that's led me to want to pay it forward and help others. You know, what's funny is like, you know, you and I, I guess if you want to call us, you know, no one can see us right now, but quote unquote empaths, we're like the normal people, right? And like in our brains, we know like, hey, I'm going to have to co-parent with this person for the rest of my damn life. Um, but then the funny thing is, is that like they, their ambition is to never do that. They, they think they're going to completely phase us out. They think that we, for some reason, they're the better parent, and then they're going to have all these smear campaigns and all these kind of crazy allegations against us on why they're the better parent. What are some of the ways that uh, you help your clients in terms of co-parenting? What, what do you do with, with some of these crazy allegations that they come up with? One of the things that I had to really handle and get straight, and it took me several years, is, and this is what I help my clients do, is detach. So what you just mentioned about the diarrhea conversation <laughs> and how you, you can, can relate, relax. right? Yeah. You can relate to yeah. that. It's so stupid. Right. But we get locked in engagement with them. And there's so many reasons why. I think one of them is, and I don't know if you relate to this, <clears throat> but on the female side, having you know co-parented and, and been abused by a, a male narcissist, we were silenced. And, you know, again, I don't know if you relate, but we were silenced. And so once you've escaped and you're separated and you're trying to reclaim your life <clears throat> as like a person, let alone as a woman or in your case, you know, a man and a father. The last thing you want to do is back down to someone who you back down to for years. And in my case, two decades. Oh, such a good point. Right. So I think that's a huge reason why we engage and are locked in engagement. There's more reasons, but that's like one of them. And so I kept thinking, there's no way I'm going to back down. You know, he's not going to get the best of me and he's going to hear me roar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because you want to know why? Because when we were in that relationship, we were treated like a goddamn doormat. So like when we were in that relationship, we were sitting there and we were like, Yes, master. It was like a freaking cult. It was like, yeah, we'll do whatever you say. You can walk all over us. And they had this viewpoint like, hey, they'll still be here tomorrow. You know what I mean? And and then we sit there now and we're like, I escaped. I'm free. I'm not your prisoner anymore. So I don't want to continue perpetrating your agenda of me being the submissive one to you. I'm going to stick up for me. And they don't like that. Right. hundred percent. And, you know, it, there's healing in that we have to use our voice like that is super healing. Right. You know, to be able to speak out, speak up, put in boundaries, like all the things like that yeah. we do as we heal and recover. But we have to recognize going back to your original question that we have to detach and get out of the game. So we can still and we need to use our voice, stand up to the person, you know, put in boundaries, but we do it in a way that is strategic versus just doing it whenever they try to lock us in con uh, conflict or engage us. That's the detachment piece. I love it. So for me, you know, when I try and detach, it's like, 
Uh, well, a big thing that goes through my head, especially when it comes to like our family wizard messages, is I try and tell myself whatever I say to her. I'll give you another example. One time over the summer, uh, I took my kids to a lake for the day and, you know, I packed up everything on the way out. I saw my daughter carrying her shoes and she didn't bring her shoes back. So when I, I saw her carrying them, but when I dropped the kids off, she didn't have her shoes in her hand. So I dropped the kids off and my ex texts me and she goes, where's her shoes? And I was like, they're in the bag. And she goes, no, they're not. And I was like, well, I thought they were. And she's like, well, go back and get them. I'm like, no, I'm not going back to get your shoes. Like I thought she had them. She had them. So my point is with this story is my thing is through, especially with our family wizard messages, I try and think is a judge going to care about what's going on in this pettiness or am I going to lose custody over my kids because they forgot their shoes? Am I going to lose custody over my kids because they got diarrhea from a bowl of popcorn? Is that stuff even true? Are the shoes there? And she's just trying to put this in writing saying that the shoes aren't there. Who cares anymore? Um, and then I try and find a nice balance between that and like things like school or money or whatever it is. What are some of your suggestions or what's some of your advice when it comes to detachment? I mean, that's mine is, does it matter? Do I care? What are some of your, what's some of your advice? Well, I know with a lot of the women that I work with and including me, you're in this place of, like you said, with court. Okay. Because you can ask yourself, like, does it matter? But we in general have been, uh, I don't know if the word conditioned is the right word, but we are so fearful yeah, we're so fearful <clears throat> that the judge is going to see us in such a bad light. Like, so it could be, so it's anything and everything we do. And then we're paralyzed. So then we're not doing things like you said, like detaching over a pair of shoes because we're worried because we we see it all adding up. We see the narcs um, campaign against us. And then like, it's just adding up in our head and we're thinking, oh, the judge is going to see us as this worst as the, as the worst mom or the worst parent. And so the detachment piece is like you're saying, asking yourself, is the judge really going to care about the shoes? No, he's going to look at a pattern of behavior over time. Right. And that is sort of part of that detachment, but it is a place that is hard to get to because of the fear and the, the paralyzation that happens. Yeah. I'm completely with you. And, and that's the thing too. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but um, you know, I find that um, because my ex is the mother, um, she's been given the bulk of custody over my kids, um, and I've had to prove myself against false allegations. The big thing for me is um, when I'm with my children, I try and make things as positive as they can, obviously. Like, I want to give them the best version of dad that they can get, so um, – what are some that's that's okay so another example from me i like to have dance parties so i have a big bluetooth speaker and my son loves that high hope song by panic at the disco so i have great videos of us bouncing around and i have to have high high hopes on living you know what i mean so um what's some of your advice for showing that you're the stable parent especially when it comes to court and uh you know especially when it comes to being viewed by the judge so you've got to keep your cool in writing. And in fact, let me step back. Probably the first thing I would say is to keep any and all communication in writing. So everyone's got different custody orders, right? And some of them say you have to just basically try to get along with this other 
crazy person, right? Yeah. But unless it's in your custody order that you have to have face-to-face conversations, don't. Because there's nothing to be proved, and then it's just his word against yours, or in your case, her word against yours, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, the first step is put it all in writing. And it's amazing when when I look at uh, a client's stack of evidence, okay? And it depends on where they are in the process. But if if the let's say the, in that case the guy is going off, you know, you're this, you're that, you're a horrible mom, you know, blah blah blah, and she's just saying, can you please answer the question? Can you know Timothy go to your house next Saturday for a party? Like that is where you want to stay. You want to stay on that that side of the fence. Yeah, man, you you. It's I'm so glad you're here. You're triggering so many things in me you're triggering so much thing so I, I messaged my ex and I said hey can I can I FaceTime with my son and my ex goes when are you going to pay the bill for daycare and I was like what and I was like so I wrote back can I FaceTime my son today when are you going to pay the bill for daycare guess what that's coming up in court you know what I mean like yeah. one doesn't have anything to do with the other it's it, that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to a pattern of alienation and things like that but um right yeah, it's just craziness. Um, so when it comes to your clients and it comes to dealing with um, what the ex might be saying to your kids about you, do you have any um, advice about the children and the gaslighting? Yeah, I mean, that's a whole, we could have a whole yeah. podcast, right? Let's series do it. That's on that. Here. Yeah, but seriously, there's a lot to that, a lot. <clears throat> there's a book that's a really good book. I don't know if you've read it called Divorce Poison. That's a good yeah. one to read. Okay. That's a good one to read. Um, but the thing about that is, and, and you're going to have all different people on different uh, like ends of the spectrum with this. And I don't know about you as a dad, but as, as a mom, a lot of moms want to do everything they can to shield and protect their kids. Like, I mean, that's an obvious statement. But what I mean by that in this light is they don't want their kids to see how horrible of a parent that the other parent is. So they might buffer. I use the word buffer a lot. They might buffer them a lot. So for example, you know, your son comes to you and says, mommy says you're, you're this, you're that, you know, you're a terrible dad. You're on drugs, whatever. I've gotten that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. <clears throat> and so, you know, my initial reaction myself was I wanted to just like rage against the machine, which was like him, but my kid. So you can't, you know, so I had to get myself together after a couple of months of like not handling it well. <clears throat> but what I realized is that those kids don't know who to believe. They are obviously just innocent bystanders in this whole thing and just super innocent in general. And so there was a time when I wasn't saying anything. I would just sort of ignore what my kids said and just be like or like uh, sweep it under the rug. Oh, your dad, he's so silly, blah, blah, blah. And just like ignore it. And then I started realizing that she's believing him because she's hearing what he's saying. And I'm telling her nothing different. And they're so I'm just, innocent. They're so exactly, innocent. Exactly. So for me, I got clear. It took me a good year and a half. And I got so frustrated feeling filtered and like muzzled with her because I was afraid to tell her the truth again, that it would come up in court because, you know, kids are parents. They'll tell one parent this and the other parent. They tell them all. Everything. But I got to the point where I said, all right, this is BS and I'm not I'm not going to do this. And my counselor I was seeing at the time said, you've got to give her your version of the truth, if you will, so that she can compare it to his and then she can decide, you know, basically. 
And I can't tell you how many times my kid would come to me and say, mommy, I don't know who to believe. Daddy tells me one thing, you tell me another. And so I started to ask her questions. And so this is my answer to your answer to your question. Like, how do you help them with alienation? I started to just ask her questions because I couldn't come in and say, your dad's a piece of shit and he's lying and he lies all the time and you can't believe a word out of his mouth. I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do that. Yeah. Right. But so what I said was, well, does daddy keep his word? Like when he says you're going to Chuck E. Cheese, does that usually happen? Because I knew what the answer was. She goes, no. And I said, if I tell you we're going to Chuck E. Cheese, does that usually happen? And she's like, yep. And I said, okay. So when you don't know who to believe, what does your tummy tell you? Because we talk about tummies. We talk about like gut feelings, but we talk about it in their body. Because she was little. She was like eight, seven, eight. She goes, well, my tummy tells me that daddy, I don't know what she said, but like daddy might not be telling the truth or, you know. And I said, okay, let's go with that. Just go with that. I made it simple for her. I was like, just, just go with that. Go with your, go with your tummy. You're going to, that's something I'm going to use. That is something I'm going to use, man. I love the guests that I have on this podcast. Man. Good. Do it. Yes. That's a really good one. I'm going to go with my tummy. What does your tummy tell you? Well, so <laughs> to add to your arsenal, cause now you just added to mine. I've had two guests on here that both know each other. One has been there, got out, which are also high conflict divorce coaches. And another one is Chelsea Brooke Cole out of Canada, who's also a therapist that specializes in narcissistic abuse. They have this, um, they have this, uh, not theory, but they have this exercise. And the exercise is called, I know my truth. Okay. And a lot of my listeners have heard me say that I use this with my children. So I'm looking at you on the screen right now and, and your uh, sweater is beige, right? If you were my kid, I would say, man, that's a really pretty green sweater. And my kids look at me and they go, daddy, my sweater's not green. And I go, yes, it is. Look at your green sweater. It's beautiful. And they go, no, daddy, my sweater is beige. No, it's green. And you argue with them, argue with them, mm -hmm. try and get them to say it's beige. And they keep going, no, daddy, I know my truth. I know my truth. I know my truth. Make them steadfastly hold on to, no matter how hard I fight you on this, the sky is red, your shirt is green, whatever it may be, you know your truth. And I love also the fact that you're sitting there and, and you say, listen to your tummy. Does daddy take you to Chuck E. Cheese? No. Does mommy take you? Yeah. Okay, let's just leave it at that. I love how you, it's funny, as I was listening to you, you used to sound like such a good parent because I relate to the fact that even though I don't believe that my children are better with my next, I would never separate their children from their mother. You know what I mean? And you're sitting there, same sort of thing is like, you don't want to speak badly about him, but for the same standpoint, for your child's mental health, they need to know that this isn't right. Yes. I love what you said that. I know my truth. I love that now. Thank you. I'm going to use that with my clients. That's awesome. I love it. That's great, right? So you can I say anything like, you know, um, and, I, you know, right before my my last restraining order was filed, I said to my son, I said, a lot of bad things are going to be said about daddy. Um, I'm not going to see you for a while, but I want you to know, you know the truth. And we play, our, I know my truth in the back of my car all the time. And it, it gets really silly too. You know what I mean? I'll be like, yeah. you know, I'll start calling my son, my daughter's name or my, my daughter, my son's name. And they're like, daddy, I'm over here. And I'm like, no, you know what I mean? It's just fun. Yeah. It's a well, fun. You need it's to, a, it's a, this is heavy. So you need to keep it light with them. Can you believe this is our lives? <laughs> I've had that 
that thought so many times. Isn't it amazing? But, like this is, it, it is. it's funny. I um I just you know so uh for those of you who are listening, um I'm recording this at the time that I have COVID, but uh it's given me a lot of time to watch TV, and I actually was watching uh, a documentary about the Nexium cult last night <laughs> and uh it's just so funny like man I, I i can't believe this is like i'm relating to like cult leaders <laughs> like, yes. how to like holy god how did i end up in this position you know yes yeah i remember thinking this is dating me but i remember thinking when i was in the middle of it and i had to call the police several times i, I kept thinking this is like jerry springer and i'm not a jerry springer guest like no. what's happening no and it's it's nice too i mean i, I i'm i'm sure you would agree is that my future is just so focused on low drama and peace. And, you know, like I went from a half a million dollar house to a one bedroom apartment and I couldn't be happier because I'm at peace. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. Oh yeah. 100%. Um, <laughs> so here's another thing that I've experienced is smear campaigns. Okay. Mm. And um, my next has been telling the parents of my children, the, uh, you know, contemporary parents of my children, this yep. story. Okay. Yep. Now, when it comes to co-parenting, uh, I think that's really stupid of my next because it's going to, you know, my kids are going to find out these stories. Um, do you have any advice when it comes to, Hey, why don't you see your dad? If a kid says that to a kid in school, why don't you see your dad? Where's your dad been? How come your dad's not coming to the football games? I don't mean to put you on the spot. Um, but it's just something that I deal with and I'd, I'd like to talk to you about it. Yeah, it's so interesting. Just the fact that we are like together talking about this because I've had just so the opposite, you know, kind of experience. So. <clears throat> it, so a little bit differently in my case, my kid has had to explain why she doesn't see her dad. But there's valid reasons because there's a protective order where he threatened my life multiple times. Like, so there's like real things, right? So it's the opposite of what you're saying, the opposite of a smear. It's actually like the truth. <clears throat> and I've had to help her get comfortable with her truth. So I would say the same thing to the kids that are in that situation, like your kids, is my mom and my dad are not getting along. <clears throat> Something like to that effect. So speaking to the truth, you know, mom and dad are not getting along. Um, the judge hasn't decided what's going on. There's a judge. So that's another thing I want to say. If you can talk to your kids about a judge being involved in a way that is age appropriate, because then they know it's not daddy is staying away on purpose. It's not mom is making him stay away on purpose. It's there's an intermediate person. Tell me what you think about that. Yeah, you, it's funny because we're sitting on camera right now and I'm <laughs> listening and I'm kind of mulling it over a little bit. So part of my court order is I'm not allowed to talk about anything when it comes to court of course they gotta put uh, a I hate that it. yes right? so yeah. um you know I as my listeners know I have um supervised visits for only one hour a week with my children now and um of course I mean my kids they're six and four years old right so they're they're um savvy enough to know that this is weird when we went from sleeping at daddy's house to now we're in a room at the YMCA uh for one hour a week and they don't get it so they asked me, like, why are we here? And I can't tell them that, uh, you know, this was court ordered because I can't talk about a judge. And really, they're young. They shouldn't know. But um, what I told them, and I don't like it, is I told them, mommy and I can't agree on how we should see each other. So this is the best solution that we can come up with right now. 
And I don't like that because it implies that I agreed to this. Mm. But I, I couldn't come up with anything. It's you know, super that's hard. We, that's something we struggle with as parents. We struggle with, you know, shades of the truth. I don't want to lie, but I, you know, sometimes lying is good lying. Sometimes I have to lie just to protect them. I'm trying to, There, there's no way they come out of this unscathed, but I'm trying to find a way that I can minimize the scathing. You know what I mean? Yes. So I don't know. You don't have to say you're going to take this advice or not. But what I would honestly, what I would say is that unless is someone listening when you're in that room with them, is somebody yes. listening? Yes. Okay. All right. That's that's that changes things because so many times, you know, we're court ordered to do certain things or don't talk about certain things. But you know that the other person, the other parent is doing 100 percent of it like. They're totally doing it. Right. And so we always think we have to be perfect. And I don't think that's the case. In your case, it's a little different if someone's listening. But I would say to anyone who doesn't have a supervisor listening, I would say you, I, I say you still talk about that. There is you don't have to even say a judge. You could say there's there's a, a respected person, kind of like the principal of your school, who is helping us to figure things out and figure out the time that I spend with you and the time that, you know, mom, you, you're with mom. You know, something like that. So, again, you're getting around it. You're not talking about court. You're not talking about a judge, but you're talking about that there is someone else involved. And it is not like because like you said, like you, it bothers you that they you think that they think it's a you're you're OK with it and you're not. Right. Yeah. I mean, from an adult standpoint, um, from an adult standpoint, I don't think, you know, because my kids are super young. Uh, from an adult standpoint, I would think my kids would be like, so why did they agree that mommy gets you more than me? I don't yeah. think my six-year-old and, and four-year-old are going to have those follow-up questions. But just from an adult standpoint, I'm thinking that. Um, I love the fact that you're on this podcast and, like, we have different angles of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm I'm working to fight it and you're working to enforce it. And I, I love this. Right. Love yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I mean, because so for me, I'll just keep talking about the judge for a moment because we're on it. So for me, and this is very common, too, is kids will say, why do I have to go to dad's house? Why do I have to go to mom's house? Okay, whatever the situation. And you and and if you don't talk about the judge or talk about some third party that's for enforcing it, then there's a problem. So for me, I got to the point where I started to tell my kid, okay, I talked about the judge. I ripped that Band-Aid off. And then, um, but then I also said when she was in agony about not wanting to go because he was driving drunk, because he was passing out and leaving her to make her own food. And then like, and she was six and seven years old. Then I started telling her, just trust me. You do, or I asked her, do you trust mommy? Yes. Mommy is doing everything she can to change this for the better. I love that. Right. And I kept saying, I know it's hard for you because you're little. But trust mommy and be patient. And for me, faith is a huge part of my life. And I would just start, we start talk about praying and and like, you know, helping, having God help her mm -hmm. and just say, okay, ask God to help you. Ask God to help you when you're scared, when you're unsure, yeah. that kind of thing. You know, I'd like to ask your advice about this. Um, it's funny. I, I, I hope the listeners can relate to this because I'm kind of bouncing off what's going on in my life off of you. Um, so when I did have regular visits with my children, uh, I want you to understand. So um, my kids leave school, you know, they leave the home in the morning at probably 7 a.m. to go to school. 
they get home probably at four. I picked them up at four thirty for dinner, and then he had football practice until seven thirty at night. So he's leaving the house at seven a.m. He doesn't get home till like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. He's six, right? So when I went to pick him up, he would wail and cry when I would show up. And it's not that he hates me, and I have tons of recordings saying I love you. It's just he wants to sit home and watch his iPad. He wants to sit home and he wants to relax. He wants to watch his iPad. He doesn't want to go. He's expressed to me so many times, I want mommy and daddy. You know what I want? I want mommy and daddy together. He doesn't want this separation. Do you have any advice for talking to your kids about the separation and, um, you know, like what to tell them is like, you know, you know, I, I know that probably the standard thing is, you know, mommy and daddy don't get along, but we still love you, that kind of thing. But what's what's your advice? for them? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So it's super hard. Those transitions are just super hard in general, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so... Something that, okay, so yes, mom and dad's, mom and dad can't get along. This is why this has to happen. And a lot of times kids will remember, like it'll be so fresh. And, and again, your kids are young, but my kid was six the last time I left. And so in the beginning, it was very fresh for her to remember the fighting, to remember how uncomfortable it was for her to be in that home with us together, right? But then over time, you know, all of us, we start to romanticize things and we forget the bad. And over time, she would do the same thing, like, why can't you guys just live together? I don't like going to two houses. I don't like splitting my things, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you have to judge your kid. You have to judge their maturity level. You have to judge their experience and and their personality and like how they're bent, how they're wired. You know, like my kid is wired, unfortunately, for anxiety. And so there's certain things I won't talk to her about or show her. <laughs> like there was some movie that came up yesterday. I was like, oh, we should watch that. And I was like, oh, I think it was like, what's the one where like, there's a storm in in um, New York City and like what's it called? It's like old. Like I don't know. Tomorrow or something. Yes, yes. Holy God! I pulled that completely yes, out of left Yes, that field. was so good. Yes, and I was like, we should watch that. And then I was like, oh my God, no. Then she'll be paranoid. So anyway, you have to know like your kid, right? You know, and and like hold on, let me just stop you for one second. Yeah. Perspective, their perspective of things is so yes. big. You have to address things. Try and see the world through their eyes and their perspective because we kind of think that they're seeing it from an adult standpoint and they're very much not. Correct. Correct. And how hard is it to live in two different homes, two different rule, sets of rules, like two different everything, right? So it's super hard. And then the transitions are hard. But talking to them about, you know, maybe you come up, again, you have to judge your kid. But But for me, when she started to forget how hard it was, and how awful it was when all of us were in the same roof, when she started to forget that. I unfortunately would, re- not unfortunately, but I would say, remember that time when this, that, and the other happened? Remember how awful you felt and how mom was crying and whatever? And I mean, I hated to do that, but in my judgment of my kid, I had to bring her back to some level of 
why it's not okay. Cause she wasn't accepting me just saying, we're not getting along. We're not getting along. We can't agree. You know, she wasn't accepting that because he was on the other end saying how much he loved me, how much he wanted to get back together. And he was telling that to her day in and day out. I love your mom. She's the best mom. I wish we could, you know, she's the one that's breaking the family up. And then he'd use the Bible and make her, uh, memorize scripture about God hating divorce. And then she'd come home and tell me. And I was like, okay. So, you know, and I'm thinking about what you're saying too. And like, you also, so you said like, you know, mommy wasn't happy and mommy was crying and you were this. And also for the same standpoint, you can almost speak for them and say, you know, daddy wasn't happy. Daddy was angry, right? Daddy was angry. He was yelling. Do you think daddy was happy? No. Right. What we all want to do is we all want to be happy and we can't be happy together, but we can be happy when we're with you. We can, that's, you know, I got to tell you. So when I discovered that my, my next was a narcissist, I confided in really good friends. And um, something that I really latched onto is they might not get quantity dad, but they have to get quality dad. And they're going, when they're with you, they have to get the best version of you that you can be. And I really latched on to that is like, don't get me wrong too. Like there's, I hate using the word discipline because it sounds so harsh, but there's certain disciplinary things, you know, I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to brush my teeth, you know, like I don't want to do X, Y, Z. And I'm saying, listen, you have to, you have no choice. Um, And then in my brain, it makes me think, well, they're going to hate me for this because they see me so few times anyway. They're going to get mad at me that I'm enforcing so-and-so. Um, But they have to know I'm your parent. I have your best interest in mind. I'm doing everything out of love for you. And like I said, you got to get quantity dad, quantity mom, or quality dad, quality mom over quantity. No, that's really good. That's really good because it it can get really frustrating thinking that we have to be like our best selves whenever we, whatever time we have with our kids, right? Especially with the judge too, going back to the judge too, like you were saying before. Right. But I remember feeling really resentful that, I had to be like the better parent all the time. And I was like, that's such a narcissistic thing for them to make you believe. You know what I mean? Like you have to be on on display all the time. You have to be like, right. Fuck that. I'd rather, I'd rather be just okay. (laughs) I I am moderately okay. Right. Well, it didn't allow for us to have emotions. It didn't allow for us to, you know, lose our crap. If we got frustrated, like that didn't allow for that. But I remember also thinking that here's the, here's the key that came out of that. And it's it goes to speak to what you said about the quality parent, okay? The quality parent is a safe parent. And I don't mean physically. Of course, that's like, that goes without saying. It's the emotionally safe parent. So you cannot have to be a Instagram-worthy mom or dad. You don't have to have a million-dollar house. You could have, and I had a two bedroom condo when I moved out for several years when my kid, I just wanted her to have a backyard and she didn't, and it would tear me apart. But I had an emotionally safe house so that when she was upset, when she got mad, she was not going to be punished for her feelings. And again, you know, narcissists have different flavors, you know? So I'm not saying that every narcissist is going to punish their kid if their kid gets upset. But most of the time, there is a, a constant environment of unsafe. It's unsafe for me to be who I am. It's unsafe for me to feel what I feel. And it's certainly unsafe for me to, like, stand up to mom or dad, if whoever the narc is. And so we do the opposite. Yeah, totally. And you're not in competition with the other parent either. 
Mm-mm. Like everything that I do is completely irrespective of what they do. I don't I don't care what they do. I don't care where they take them. I'm not in any competition with them. You know what I mean? I'm doing the best for me. Like you said, being the safe parent. When you're yeah. with daddy, are you safe? Yes, I'm safe. Are you happy? Yes, I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's the most important thing to me. I love this. Cool. I love this just like open discussion, this like yeah. very free flowing sharing experiences. This is what I do. Um, well, I mean, when, once you get around another survivor, like you, the the, the like uh, formalities are just like cut. You're just like whatever, and you just get to the meat of stuff because we don't have time for we don't have time for BS fluff stuff anymore. No, no. Well, one thing I did want to say, going back to, because um, you had said, you know, we don't we're, we don't want to speak poorly of the other parent, which of mm. course, of course, right? Mm. We've if we've seen any after school special growing up, we know that we're not supposed to speak poorly of the other parent, right? So the more we get you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But and this is where it's a little controversial, you know, I'd love to hear what you think about it too. For me, I recognized every time my kid went to her dad's, she was going to a wolf in sheep's clothing. And it started to illuminate the truth that I don't want to send her unprepared. And at the same time, I'm not going to talk crap about her dad. And at the same time, I don't want the court to think that I am alienating. Okay. So with all of that lining up, I said, okay, well, how can I prepare her? I'm preparing her to go out in the world and stranger danger. Then how could I not prepare her to go to someone who is a master manipulator, lies as he breathes? And, you know, I mean, and every abuse done to her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So then I just started to realize, well, I need to prepare her. And so I started to get books, started to get books about keeping secrets. I started to get books about her body being her own, you know, I mean, and I could keep going, but like, those are just some examples of how I began to prepare her to go to their house because they're a very unsafe person. And there, I think there's a book called unsafe people as well. I think it's by Townsend and cloud um, who wrote boundaries like this is all, you know, kind of like everybody that's in this space should be reading that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, but teaching them about unsafe people is huge. And that's what I said earlier, that a lot of moms in particular want to buffer their kids from knowing what an ass and what an unsafe, harmful person their father is. And in your case, you'd be the opposite. Yeah. So. It's funny, like I said, you're triggering so many things in me. Um, so during one of my dinner visits, not one of my overnight visits, but one of my dinner visits with my kids, I took them to the library. And the library in, in the town is really cool. And um, they have blocks and they have books, of course, and toys and everything. So um, my friend, I mean, my son had a classmate that was in the library and they were building trains together. And my son didn't like uh, what the other kid was building with the train and he wrecked it. And I looked at my son and I was like, why did you do that? And rather than being like, you have to apologize to that kid. I came, I, I, I didn't grab him, but I was like, pulled him to the side. I was like, why did you do that? Tell me why you did that. What was going through your head when you decided to wreck this kid's train? And he's like, well, I didn't like how it was. And I was like, can you use your words rather than just going and wrecking the whole kid's setup? You know, can you use your words and say, hey, can we do it like this and like be open to what he wants to build? The reason I'm telling this story is that I fear 
and this is with all the narcissistic knowledge that is just rolling around in my brain over the last year. I fear that what her tactics are, are kind of rubbing off on my children a little bit. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, also there's another story where, um, so, you know, this has sent me into irreparable financial issues and I'm getting my food from a food bank, right? And I also want to take my kids to the food bank to donate time. I want to teach my kids empathy. That's the point I'm trying to get to is I want to teach my kids empathy to know that not everybody's as fortunate as you. Not everybody sees the world the way you do. And let's try and get to a point where like, even if you don't agree with somebody, you can have your mind open enough to see somebody else's point of view. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100 percent, because narcissists do not have empathy at all. And that is a real fear for us that are raising kids with narcissists. And so I think that that I applaud you for doing that for sure to get them you know, out of their bubble. And then there's like another piece to it, which is um, just empathy for um, like, OK, so I started to not feel feel like my kid had no empathy for me. And I'm looking at her like I'm busting my ass, working all these jobs, like doing all this stuff. And she literally had zero empathy for me. And I remember thinking, this is not good. This is not good. Okay. So, so I started. Me. If you can't yeah. see the screen, you're triggering the hell out of me. Go ahead. Okay. But it's a real thing. And like, this is a thing that anyone that's raising a kid with a narc will, will say. They're, they're afraid they're going to become a narc. Okay. So I don't know. Again, you know how when you're a parent and just stuff comes out your butt, you know, like a, like a, some strategy comes out of nowhere and you're like, well, I don't know where that came from, but it's genius. So I was watching, you know, we were watching like Disney movies all the time because she was little. And I started to just use freaking Disney movies to teach empathy. Love it. And and I was also teaching about abuse, but I wasn't using the word abuse. And I'll just use Tangled if you ever seen Tangled. Love it. Okay. So, but I would, after the movie was over, I would just ask her questions and it had to do with obviously, you know, abuse. That was kind of an obvious one, but just empathy. What did you think they felt? Have you ever felt like that? What do you think it would be to be in their shoes? That is like helping them to see empathy. And, and that's what you're doing with the food bank too. Yeah. And what would you do in this situation? You know, like, what would you yes. do? You know, like I had, um, I had, I don't even really remember the conversation. I just remember one sentence that my son said, because my ex has extorted me for so much money. And I remember my son, we were driving in the car and he wanted to do something. And I said, I can't because I don't have enough money or something. He's like, yeah, mommy said you need to have enough money to buy groceries. And I was just like, like, what was the conversation that my next had with my son that he parroted back to me, you need to have enough money to buy groceries. What was that conversation? And like, that's like what my next thinks is like my minimal quality of life is that just that I have to have enough money to buy groceries. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so that's what I want to teach my kids is that the world is huge. Kids are not, kids are not born judgmental. You know what I mean? Like kids are not born with biases they're taught those biases. Um, and I've always prided and considered myself a fairly open-minded person. And I want to make sure that my kids do get that because, oh man, I hate to say this, but my next is a racist. She's sexist. She's 
very, very short-sighted in most of her mm-hmm. viewpoints on life. And that is a great fear of mine when it comes to my children, that they don't get that short-sightedness. Yeah. Well, and it all comes down to, it all comes down to being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, which most kids cannot do that unless you start getting to that root of this person feels fear. Have you ever felt fear? This person feels scared. Have you ever felt scared? Because then it's taking it to, oh, now it's personal. Now, oh, you mean, you mean when I bully, not, they wouldn't use that word. Okay. When I say this to, you know, Billy on the playground, he's scared of me oh I know what it's like to be scared of mommy that she's going to hit me or she's going to send me to my room like that I mean we got to go there because honestly in my head this narcissism is evil and this is like warfare on our kids and so you don't fight warfare with bubble gum and cupcakes you got to fight it with weapons I know and that's not going back to yeah, Going not like real said. weapons. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I know what you mean. Going back to like what you said about, you know, letting them know that the judge is involved. Like, yeah, you're not fighting. You're not, you know, you don't go to war. You don't want to go to a gunfight with a knife. You know what I mean? Correct. Um, and I'm listening to what you're saying. And, I, and you know, we could just discuss this, you know, impromptu. But I'm just thinking like, so on the playground, right? Let's say um, little Billy's, uh, you know, got some situation. I don't know what the, the situation is, but you can ask your kid. How would you feel if you were Billy? Right. Right. You can see like, what would you do if you were Billy? How would you feel about X, Y, Z, if he skins his knee or his brother broke his toy? How would you feel about that? Connection is such a big thing for me, knowing what I know about narcissism, because I was so in the dark and I didn't understand the lack of connection and the lack of empathy and feeling that people have for each other that now I'm so cognizant of it. You know what I mean? And I want to teach my kids, like, if you can't connect with people, like, you don't have them in your life. If you can't feel what the other person's feeling, if you can't identify, then you, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and, yeah. and I have such an uphill battle because the majority of the time that my kids are spending is with my narcissistic ex. Right now, because we're going to believe that that's going to change. Yeah. And And I really mean that because... When I and I just want to speak to that that little part uh, because when it was 60 me 40 him and my kid was in real physical danger every time she went there let alone all these other emotional psychological dangers mm. when she was in real physical danger and people knew about it or had witnessed things or smelled him with alcohol in his breath when he went to pick her up from the playground and no one said anything or did anything and then they told me about it. And I would say, well, can you please call the police next time? Or can you call me and I'll call them, whatever. When I had no witnesses coming forward, it looked in my circumstance that no one was going to be able to help me. And I kept going to my lawyer asking, do I have enough to go for emergency custody? Do I have enough? Do I have enough? And he kept telling me it's 50-50 of what will happen because you don't have a witness. You don't have a third party. And so there was a moment in 2019 where I felt like kind of like what you're saying, like hope, not only that you're saying you're hopeless, but like I felt hopeless. I felt like nothing was going to change. And I felt like if I looked around my circumstances, there was nothing pointing to ever getting better. My kid was going to suffer for the rest of her childhood, as was I. But things changed, you know, like stuff can happen. You know, the the narc could lose it. The narc could um, go on a bender. The narc could get a DUI. The narc, like, look, a hundred different things could happen. 
or your kids could start seeing a therapist when they go old, you know, whatever, old enough, or if it's court ordered. And then the therapist comes to court. Like, I guess I'm just saying that you never know when a break could come in your case, because I would never have thought that here I am three years later with sole custody. That is until she's 18 and out the door. Um, and she's protected from that bullshit nightmare mess. And so am I. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you and anyone else that's listening about that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to very shortly, I mean, not shortly for me because I've been dealing with this for so long, um, but I feel like I'm about to manufacture that win uh, because all I need to do is get in front of a judge and she's going to be buried. But um, thank you for saying that. That is encouraging. You know, um, you know, you just you just touched on something that I experienced is therapy for children. My children's therapist believes the narrative that my next has told her about our separation and my children are being treated for that narrative do you understand what i'm saying i do by the therapist the therapist doesn't return my phone calls she doesn't return my texts um i have consulted with my lawyer and said they're being they're not be, they're being treated for an abusive father when they have a narcissistic mother. <laughs> you know what I mean? So do you have any advice for therapy when it comes to children, how to get them into therapy, how to choose the right therapist? So you want it as best you can. You want to get it in the court order. That they are ordered to go to therapy for as long as, you know, I don't even know what the wording would be. You got to get if you can get it into your custody court order. Right. So because because so many narcs will block therapy for their kids. OK, because they're afraid they're going to be found out. Or okay, they fine. control it or they control or they control it. it. Right. <clears throat> but in that. So the tips to finding the right therapist is you've got to find someone that is a, a child therapist with domestic violence experience. Trauma informed is another phrase that you want. And then, you know. In the case of you, the one that you have right now, that's unethical for her to not be responding to the other parents. Um, so <clears throat> for me, I took my daughter to a domestic violence therapist through our county and it was free and it was mm. the biggest blessing in the freaking planet at the time. Mm. But she wouldn't have had his side of the story. Unless she talked to him. Do, do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. so a therapist has to talk to both parents. I feel like it's unethical if they do not. You're not in jail as a convicted anything. So to yeah. me, that's like, that's just not right. I know. The deck is so stacked against me. It's crazy. Um, yeah. But, you know, and, and that hopefully can be something you bring up in court oh, at, some sure. yeah, sure. at some point. Yeah, at some point. Mm-hmm. Because it, it has to be, and like I said, so trauma-informed, um, you know, probably the narcissist is not going to agree to a domestic violence counselor, but trauma-informed, yes, because I think, you know, anyone would be able to say yes, they've been through some trauma with just even a divorce is trauma, let alone one with like all this going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my son is, um, well, I was actually diagnosed by my therapist with a adjustment disorder, which is similar to what my son has been diagnosed with. It's an adjustment disorder. I don't blame him. His whole life has been changed. His whole life is, there's nothing about his life a year ago that's the same as it is now. So neither is mine. 
Um, so yeah, I, I completely relate to that. And, and thanks for saying that. It's, you got my wheels turning because now I'm going to talk to my, my lawyer about that because it is pretty unethical. Um, Vicky, thank yeah. you so much for doing this with us. We're coming to the end of the hour. Um, any final thoughts? Any like you mentioned before, Jerry Springer, right? Like any any final Jerry Springer thoughts uh, in terms of co-parenting with a narcissist, successfully co-parenting with a narcissist, and helping your children along the way? Ugh, that's a loaded question to end right? the episode. I but... know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, quite honestly, the best thing I can say is. <laughs> that this is not about you. Uh, this is about your kids. And that's an obvious statement. But what I really mean is this is about them. It's about their kids and their kids and their kids. And that's hard to have that vision when you're, you know, day in, day out being barraged by the narcs smear campaigns and lies. And I mean, it's hard to have that vision. It really is. So I would say do whatever you can to take a walk or whatever you can do to take, you know, 10, five minutes, whatever, take some deep freaking breaths, okay? And try to have a vision that's outside of, it's like horse with blinders when we're in this day in, day out mess with them. Try to open up the blinders to see that this is very much a long game and not a short game. And that's hard to do, but it can be done. It can be done. Yeah, I see the bigger picture. I gotta say yeah. too, throughout this episode, you've you've mentioned that uh, you know you're a very spiritual person, but I like how you just said you gotta see the freaking bigger picture. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, you're awesome, Vicky. Thank you so much for doing this with us. I had a lot of fun, and, and thank you for allowing me to bounce some of my personal experiences off of you. You've been a tremendous help, and um, you know, there's definitely some things that we've talked about in this episode that I could definitely impl- implement with my children. So thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. And also, if you guys want to follow her, you can follow her on Instagram. She's at the Survivor Center. Her name is Vicky. You can shoot her some DMs and, uh, you know, you guys can have some one-on-one conversations with her. So thank you so much for doing this. And uh, until next time, everybody.